Welcome to a Sunny Side Up Life podcast, a show for the woman who is ready to live an abundant life full of freedom and positivity. I'm your host, Sammy Womack, a nationally recognized money expert, budgeting coach, and your very own hype squad. I'm on a mission to help you break free from survival mode, gain financial freedom, stay motivated, and focus on what matters most. Join the movement and let's start living on the brighter side of life together. And just a reminder that everything discussed in today's episode will be linked in the show notes. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at A Sunny Side Up Life. And if you're ready to take control of your money and need guided instructions, check out my free budgeting challenge by going to asunnysideuplife.com. Now let's get into the episode. Hey, everyone. Today, we are going to be talking all about emergency funds. So we are going to dig into what an emergency fund actually is where to keep it, what's a good amount, when to use it, when not to use it, why you might keep draining your emergency fund, and what to do if you feel guilty around spending your emergency fund, even if it actually is an emergency. Okay, so first off, let's just talk about what an emergency fund actually is. So it goes by many names. You might have heard it called a rainy day fund, an FU fund, If you are familiar with Dave Ramsey, maybe you've heard of Baby Step 1 or Baby Step 3. What are the difference between those two? Basically, you guys, an emergency fund is just a savings account, okay? It is just kind of stockpiling a little bit of money, which the amount varies. We're going to talk about that in a second. It is just stockpiling a little bit of money to help you when something unexpected comes up. So it doesn't matter what you call it, call it a rainy day fund or emergency fund, savings account, doesn't matter. As long as you have some cash stashed somewhere, okay, (laughs) that is all that matters. So the difference between baby step one and baby step three, which is a good transition to my next bullet point, which is what is a good amount? Okay. So Dave Ramsey teaches that baby step one is a $1,000 emergency fund. Then you go on to baby step two, which is paying off your debt. Once your consumer debt, everything except your house is paid off, you would go on to baby step three, which is saving a three to six month emergency fund. So you kind of save a tiny, tiny bit, and then you pay off your debt, and then you save more. So this is... (sighs) It's not the worst advice. It's just a little outdated. Okay. My reason for saying that it's outdated is because a thousand dollars is not what it used to be. When Dave Ramsey first started preaching his baby steps, it was the early 90s. Okay. We're talking 30 years ago. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Those of us who were like born like 80s, 90s were like 30 years. What? Excuse me. Yes. So, $1,000 does not buy what it used to 30 years ago. So although, yes, $1,000 is better than nothing, of course it is, it's not really a whole lot for most of us. Like, that's not going to pay our rent. That's not going to pay our mortgage. That's Sometimes that might not even buy you like a a month worth of groceries, gas, like $1,000 does not go very far, right? So I say that's not a lot. So let's not stop there. But that is, I think it's an okay place to start. And I say that because when I first started my debt-free journey, 
I looked at it actually the opposite way. I saw baby step one was $1,000. I thought, who in their right mind has $1,000 just laying around? Like that sounded like so much money to me because I literally had no savings. I didn't even have a savings account opened. So I thought, I'm just going to do $500 and and maybe I'll get to $1,000. I don't know. I Am I going to fully stick to this? Okay. Well, of course, my first emergency came up and I think it was like eight, an $800 emergency. I learned that lesson pretty quick. $1,000 isn't very much. $500 is half of not very much. <laughs> so that might be a decent place to start, especially if you have nothing. But let's not stop there. Let's continue to build that. Where you stop that building, that is, oh, there is so not a right or wrong answer to this. Like most things, personal finance, it is personal, right? So it really depends on your housing situation, how many dependents you have, how many streams of income you have in your household. Do you have pets? You know, what's your cost of living? How old are your vehicles? Are you self-employed or how secure is your job? You know, there are just so many different factors that I can't sit here and give you a one size fits all answer. That is another reason why I kind of think that the Dave Ramsey baby steps are slightly outdated is because I just I feel like there's not a one size fits all answer. And I know his baby step three, that's like three to six months. That's a big range, which I, I feel like that is kind of maybe in, in his way saying like, hey, it's not a one size fits all answer. OK, I, I would take that, you know, a little more seriously. <laughs> Some people. I feel like you can start maybe you start with like a thousand and then you build to like one month and then you build to two months and it's just a, a, an evolving system of goals here that just keep building up on each other. It's not like a big lump sum kind of thing and then you're you're done. Sometimes this takes several years to build up. Like 6 months, that's that's a lot of expenses. So, what I say of course, like take your different situations into account. Sometimes just a kind of picking a number that sounds really safe. Some people are like, oh, 10,000, that sounds great. 20,000, that sounds great. 5,000, that sounds great. And then maybe also kind of doing the math to calculate what is your income? Like, what is one month's worth of income? What would six months worth of income be? Like, where's, where's like a number somewhere in between that feels safe? And looks good for us for the longest time are when we were like really, um, really in the depth still of our debt free journey before we even moved into our rent house, like very early in our journey, our emergency fund sat at a five month amount for a really long time because that number just felt really safe. I don't know. And I did the math and I was like, yeah, that's roughly five months. <laughs> and that's just what felt safe. And it worked. And, you know, we made it through that. So take into consideration your income, how much your living expenses are, maybe. Um, some people are like, well, I want to be able to cover like three months rent. Other people, I, I've actually done this with clients before. 
maybe if one partner gets laid off or something or they're switching careers or, you know, life's kind of bumpy for a little bit. They're like, let's do a bare minimum budget and we'll really look at, okay, if we cut out all the extras, you know, maybe the kids paused their lessons. Um, Maybe we did cancel streaming services. Um, Maybe we canceled the gym membership. Maybe we really honed in on the groceries like there weren't any like snacks or extras. We really reeled it in and it was a bare minimum budget. What would that look like? Okay, what if we did a bare minimum budget for three months? You know, and what would that number be? So again, there's not a solid right or wrong answer. So it's just kind of about going through your budget and kind of adding up, oh, if it was three months, it could be this. If it was six, it could be this. Maybe let's pick a range. Maybe let's see how secure our jobs feel, how many people are depending on us and all of these different things and kind of settle on an amount. Usually with a client, we kind of go back and forth and we kind of talk it through and we kind of settle on a number that feels safe. Also, you're not married to this number. You can change it at any point. And like I said, it kind of should be ever evolving. There have definitely been seasons of life where even since we have been consumer debt free, where I'm like 10,000, that sounds fine. Others where it's been 15, others where it's been 20, others where we've dipped into it and we've sat at 17.5 for a while. You know, (laughs) it's okay for it to change back and forth a little. But I will say that you can have too much in savings. And I know there's several people who are like rolling their eyes right now because I was one of those people. Remember, I thought $1,000 in baby step one was excessive. (laughs) I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about I have had a handful of clients and I'm, I'm I'm not trying to make light of anyone's trauma or anyone's, you know, journey that they've been through. But it does get to a point where I've seen some people have like 40,000, 50,000. I've seen all the way up to roughly 100,000 in in savings. This is not invested. This is like floating in a regular checking account, in regular savings accounts, combination of multiple savings accounts. And it's not really making you any money. Okay. I have also seen where, you know, that money could be invested in the market, right? That could be making you like five to 8% invested in the stock market. So eh, maybe we don't want to have too much. I have also seen people with these really big savings accounts sometimes also carry credit card debt or also carry debt in like a personal loan from the bank or something. You guys, I know, I know there there is a scarcity mindset that is a trauma response to like hoarding cash. And you really, if you get to this certain point, which again, that number is different for everyone. So sometimes it's a little hard to see it, but it does get to a breaking point where I feel like it is like a hoarder mentality where you're keeping it and where it could be earning you more invested, especially if you are also paying interest to the credit card companies or to a bank and you have this excess of cash over here. Like, let's do that math. 
Let's really be real with ourselves about is this the best way to utilize our money? Okay, you don't have to drain your savings to pay all your credit cards. In fact, I would warn you to do the complete opposite. But there is a breaking point. Um, And that is something that I help my clients with when we work one on one, because that is hard to judge just, you know, general blanket statement of what is a good amount. But that is something where I'm like, hey, that's that's probably enough. Okay, let's let's see how we can invest some of this. (laughs) I had this very real conversation several times. But statistics show us. And of course, the statistics are going to be kind of all over the place. But we've all heard the statement that the average American can't cover, you know, a, a relatively small emergency. There are millions of Americans. This one statistic we found, and we'll, we'll link to it for you guys in the show notes, um, that 32% of adults couldn't cover a $400 emergency in cash. Maybe grab a credit card, okay? But 32% couldn't even cover $400. And we just were a couple minutes ago talking about how Dave Ramsey's $1,000 isn't enough. Okay, so let's put that into perspective. Start somewhere, you know, start with, okay, I am going to be able to cover a $400 emergency. All right, next month, I'm going to add another 100. Next month, I'm going to add another 100. Also, that's a really good rule of thumb. Automate that savings. Make it go on the first of every month, the 15th of every month, doesn't matter, or the first day and the 15th, or um, every other Friday when you get paid, like pick an amount that will work in your budget, automate it. Like just let it feel like it's a bill. Let it feel like it is a non-negotiable. It has to happen. We are building that savings. So when we start building that savings, where do we keep this money? All right, where do we actually keep it? So of course, there are traditional savings accounts that are linked to your checking accounts, right? Preferably linked to a bills account, linked to the account where you get your direct deposit sent to. So you can do those easy payday transfers, those easy, you know, once a month transfers, whatever that is. And that's really great. And I would say that one, I would keep like a small amount in because you're not going to earn a lot in those local savings. Sometimes you're going to earn like half a percent. Like you you maybe earn pennies. You're not going to earn a lot. But sometimes having that easily accessible will help us not be so anxious because we're like, okay, instantly I could get on my app, on my banking app, and I could transfer that money. Say like I'm, I'm stranded on the side of the road, I have a flat tire, I have to call a tow truck, you know, whatever it is. It's almost always a vehicle emergency for me. So my examples are almost always vehicle related. Um, but you have to call a tow truck, right? And they expect you to swipe your card on the side of the road or, or call in the number on the side of the road. You have to have that money like right then or they're not helping you. So you need that instant access. So if that's what you need, I would do some. And that could be like a few hundred, 500, 1,000, um, maybe maybe five if you have like 20,000 total or something. A small percentage can be there. But remember, you're not going to earn money. Like that's not a place to keep it if you're trying to earn money. 
Also, I have recommended this to some clients. Again, it's not for everyone. Of keeping some of your emergency fund in your checking account, like in your bills checking, not your spending, (laughs) not the account that you are going out to eat with or going shopping at Target with, right? Your bills account where you're like setting money aside for when your mortgage is due, setting aside when your credit cards are due or something. It can be like a buffer in that account. And you're like, okay, oh, I always keep at least 200 in my bills account. That's my new zero. I always keep 500. I've had some clients keep a couple thousand. People are like, no, like, you know, hey, we all have our trauma, no judgment. I want to be able to pay at least one month's worth of rent because, you know, some things have happened in the past. We all have our stories. And I need 3000 at all times in my checking account. That's perfectly fine if you treat it like that's zero. If you treat it as I cannot go below that amount, okay? And some people are really disciplined with that. I am not those people. I have tried <laughs> to do bigger buffers in my checking account and it never fails, I will be out of spending money and I'll think, oh, there's an extra 50 bucks in there. I can order pizza for dinner and it'll be fine. And I keep, I'll chip into it, I'll chip into it until my account is down to like $50 again. So for me, that doesn't work because I think of it as extra money. Other people, that makes them feel really safe, really secure. They sleep really well at night like that. So you kind of have to know yourself. That's also something I kind of work with people in coaching. I'm like, I get to know them and I'm like, "Eh, that might not work for you or that would be really great. That would really calm down your anxiety. So you just kind of have to get to know yourself and and trial and error like, oh, I keep chipping into it. This is not for me. Oh, I feel really safe. Maybe this is a good option for me. Um, Of course, my best option is going to be a high yield savings account. I love a good high yield savings account. Basically what these accounts are, they're they are savings accounts. Okay? They're not investment accounts. Your money is not invested. It's not the same thing as a money market. It's not a bond, it's not a stock, it's a savings account. But these are competitive savings accounts, okay? What I mean is they will try to outperform each other. So Ally is my favorite. That's who I personally use. Not getting paid to say that. Um, They, at the time of recording this, just raised their rate to 4%. 4%, you guys. We are currently making about $50 to $60 a month, a month on our emergency fund. And like I said, I normally keep my emergency fund between like 15 and 20,000 depending on what's going on. Yes, we are earning $50 a month. This is crazy. Like this is, (laughs) this is a super high return. But then there are other banks. Um, Capital One is usually up at the top of the list of highest, uh, like SoFi. uh, There's, there's several, you can Google it. Best high yield savings account returns. And they compete with each other. So when one raises, usually the other one does as well. And they try to outdo each other. Um, So you're going to actually make some money here. 
there is there are pros and cons. One of the cons, I think, is the transfer time. Sometimes it does take like one to three days to transfer money back and forth. So this is not where you want every single dollar to be if you are stranded on the side of the road and need a tow truck and need, you know, to swipe your card for $200. This is not the place to have all of that. Okay. If you have maybe some in your checking account as a buffer, or you have some in that local savings account that you could transfer instantly, you have a credit card that maybe you keep the balance paid off or you grab it only for emergencies, something like that. Okay, great. Then this high yield savings account might be for you. Um, that's what we do. We would keep some in our local savings where we could do that instant transfer until we switched back to having credit cards last year when we decided we were responsible again and we were going to try travel hacking. Now I, I always have a credit card on me. So I would use that. And then of course I would pay it off before any interest hit. Right. Um, so there's different options, right? It's not a one size fits all kind of thing again. Um, but some of the pros of high yield savings, specifically Ally, Number one, obviously, is the interest rate I already mentioned, but it's worth mentioning again. Also, these websites are set up really great, especially allies. They have a bucket system where you can have just one account and then you can go in and divide the money up digitally. So you can say, hey, this is set aside for my vacation. This is set aside for my new car. This is set aside for my emergency fund. And you can kind of divvy it up like that while it's all actually in the same account. And then I think the last place to keep your emergency fund is obviously cash. Okay, lots of people love to keep cash on hand. Again, there's pros and cons. The cons would be obviously you're not earning any money on it. In fact, I would argue you're losing money because of inflation, right? Nothing is happening. Also, of course, it can be lost or stolen. And really, <laughs> above all of that, the biggest con to me personally, because I know myself, is there's no paper trail. So with cash, there's no record of where I spent it. So it kind of feels like free money. Like it kind of doesn't feel like real money to me, which I've heard people say the opposite. Um, but if there's no record in my bank account, I'm like, eh didn't really count. I don't have to actually put that in the budget because nobody knows. So for me, cash just, I don't know, there's no pain factor uh, for me. But honestly, like you're not earning any money. Um, but again, there is that safety security. You can always grab it. You don't ever have to worry about transfer times or transfer fees or the bank being open or anything like that. So again, to each his own with that one, right? For the past three years, I've worked one-on-one -on -one with over 100 clients, real women who are ready to take control of their money once and for all. My coaching sessions are designed to give you completely personalized budgeting support. Together, we'll organize your bills, spending, debt, and savings goals. I'll help you get a system in place that will set you up for success for years to come. I'll answer all of your questions along the way, talk you through building new habits, and most of all, I'll be there to hold you accountable. So this time will be the time that you'll finally stick to your budget and make those dreams a reality. 
Visit asunnysideuplife.com slash coaching to apply today to see if one-on-one budget coaching is right for you. Okay, so when to use it and when not to use it. What is an emergency? What isn't an emergency? So first of all, I think part of the problem with calling an emergency fund, emergency fund, is that you feel like you have to justify every single time you use it, which could be a good thing if you're trying to hold yourself accountable. But sometimes I feel like we put a little too much pressure on it. You guys, it's a savings account. You're setting money aside to use at a future date. That's all, okay? It is your money. At the end of the day, it's your money. You're an adult. And really, other than maybe your partner that you share money with, or me if I'm your coach, (laughs) you don't have to justify it to anyone. Okay, we're adults now, all right? Um, You're allowed to use it. Just full stop. You're allowed to spend that money. What? Like, let that sink in for a second. Okay. The good news is (laughs) you're in control of this money. The bad news is you're in control of this money. So you have to hold yourself accountable. You have to stop and ask yourself before you dip into it, before you go and grab 20 bucks out of that cash stash that you have in your dresser drawer, before you hit transfer, whatever the case is, wherever you have this money, pause, ask yourself, can this wait? Do I really need this right now? Could I do whatever I'm doing in a cheaper way? You know, could I shop around like maybe your car is broke down? Uh, Like I said, it's always it's always a car thing for me. (laughs) You need a repair done. Could you shop around and maybe get it cheaper somewhere? Um, Could you wait a couple of days and do it after the next payday? Sometimes the answer to that is no. And sometimes like, no, I need it right now. Okay, well, then there's your answer. Okay. So that is the tricky part is it's your money. It's your decision. But it is a habit building process of getting to that kind of level with your money. And I I hesitate to say like level of maturity because, you know, we're adults, but also we're still kind of kindergartners at, at heart at the same time. So we do need to like pause. Ask yourself, can this wait? Do I really need to do this? And some, the majority of the time, you're going to be freaking out because it's going to be a true emergency. And you're going to say, of course, I need to do this right now. Of course, this cannot wait. There's your answer. It's that simple. Then you will just, you have to practice kind of building that muscle. And it will get easier over time. So it's really just I don't know, one to three years of kind of being like, "Uh, I don't know, do I really need this money? And after a few years of practice, you're going to be like, no, this is a legit emergency. (laughs) Don't care. That's what it's there for. And you won't even barely pause to do it because you'll know what is real and what isn't. What is just you being like, "Uh, 
I could order pizza and chipping into your buffer, right? <laughs> and you will also learn to set up fail safes for yourself, like me knowing that I just can't keep a lot of cash laying around. I can't keep my buffer in my checking account really high because the that is for me, that's just like temptation. That doesn't work for me. I will literally transfer every single extra penny above my $50 buffer out of my bill, bills account. I will put every single penny, five transferred five cents, like don't care. Every single penny goes into my Ally account on payday. It doesn't get to sit around and ask questions because I will spend it. But since I'm so great about just every single penny goes to savings as soon as it as soon as I know that it's extra. I also am not very hard on myself when I'm like, man, this was a really rough budget period. Things were like were super tight. And then that one thing came up that I didn't I didn't really plan for. Okay, I'm gonna pull a hundred bucks back out. And that's okay. That's okay. Another thing that I love about coaching is that when I work with my clients, I start everyone out at 12 weeks, which is a really great like trial and error. We get to build that muscle a lot, that habit muscle. And I get to be that accountability partner. That's like, it's okay. You transferred $1,800. So what? You had to pull 50 back. It's okay. You know, Yes, your tire exploded. You had to call a tow truck. <laughs> it's okay, right? And I think another thing to stop and pause and ask ourselves is like the amount of time that it would take to replenish that money. And also like, hey, maybe you just checked this goal off your list. Are we ready to switch gears and go back to filling it up with the next paycheck? Are we ready to like kind of move a couple steps backwards, air quotes, if we spend this money? And sometimes your answer is, I don't really have a choice. And that's your answer. Okay, so pause, ask yourself, can this wait? Can I do this cheaper? How long is it going to take me to replenish this money? And then move forward. Okay. We're going to talk about the guilt in just in just a second. Okay, that's that's topic two topics from now. Hang with me, okay? Cuz I know that is what you are thinking. So, maybe why do you keep draining into your savings? So, if you have found yourself as like a habitual, okay, I transferred 1800 into savings and I was so proud of myself and I just hit that goal. I just hit my $3,000 savings goal. I'm so proud of myself. And I had to pull a hundred back. Oh, I keep doing this. I hear that a lot, a lot, especially in the beginning. So number one, almost always the answer is one or two of these things. <laughs> Usually it is clean up your budget and work to fine tune your budget more to prevent these surprises from happening as often. There's always going to be surprises. But a lot of times it was things like, oh man, my vehicle registration. When you can clearly see on the windshield <laughs> which month your vehicle registration is going to expire. And that's okay. We're not perfect, right? 
But as we kind of fine tune our budget over the first year or so, we're going to start stop having these surprises as often. And also by like going back through maybe your previous year worth of bank records, three months worth of bank records, um, sometimes looking at your calendar ahead of time and really just starting to be like, okay, yeah, okay, I have this person's birthday, that person's birthday, um, this event for the kids. You know, there won't be all these like little surprises that are going to add up as much. So sometimes it's just kind of, again, building that muscle of trying to be like a forecaster as much as possible and thinking, oh, the kids are home from summer. They're going to be snacking at home a lot more. So the grocery budget's probably going to go up and you'll get better at this over time. So just kind of working and tweaking your budget to prevent those little surprises, really being honest with ourselves about what you're actually going to spend, not what you wish in a perfect world you could spend. And then you're just setting yourself up to bust your budget and have to pull a hundred bucks back out of savings. Okay. So that will take some time and it's never going to be a hundred percent perfect, but it will get better as you practice. Um, the next one that I see a lot is needing to build barriers to prevent yourself from needing to use your emergency fund. So kind of on the same topic, but basically this is where sinking funds come in. And if you're not familiar with sinking funds, it's basically, you know, those Venn diagrams where the two circles overlap. Okay. So a sinking fund is that middle ground where the circles overlap. And those circles are your spending account and your savings account. And sinking funds are that middle ground where they overlap. So you do save up for things, but it is money that you always intend to fully spend at some point. So this is a really great place to save up for things like holidays, gifts, vacation, maintenance on your vehicle, maintenance around the house. Um, your kids' activities like registration fees, uh, medical bills, vet bills, you know, things like that. Clothes, that's another great one. Things that we usually kind of want to stick our head in the sand and pretend like we don't spend money on or we don't spend as much as we actually do. That's a sinking fund. And I love to recommend keeping your sinking fund in a separate checking account or even a savings account if you want to. Um, I do love the checking account because it's really handy to have a debit card when you're like buying gifts or um, buying clothes or, <laughs> you know, doing all of those different or have a checkbook sometimes to pay for some of these kids activities. A lot of them still want to check. Right. That's super handy. So what you're doing with these is you're taking a total annual amount, you're dividing it by maybe 12 if you want to contribute monthly or 26 if you want to contribute every other week or 52 if you want to do every single week. It, it doesn't matter, whatever works for your budget. And so essentially, say you want to spend um, $1,200 on Christmas and you want to contribute once a month, right? You would just set $100 a month aside. And by doing this for several different categories, several different events, 
you are going to reduce the need for your emergency fund, quote unquote emergency fund, exponentially because you've cleaned up your budget. You have less surprises. You are less in denial about things that you're going to actually spend money on it. Stop pretending like you're not and set the money aside before it happens. Okay. Most of my clients, and I'm talking like a family that's like three to five people. Most people are setting aside like five to 20,000 a year for sinking funds. I would say like eight to 12 is like a good maybe average somewhere in there. Yeah. And I have I have a couple of clients with bigger families, um, like five kids, like lots of activities where they're doing well, I don't know, maybe 30,000 a year, right? Like <laughs> there are a lot of moving parts to a family. And if you really start to get into these categories, you're going to be like, yep, that's where it was. So by doing sinking funds, you are building a barrier between you and needing to drain your emergency fund or needing to grab a credit card or needing to borrow money from a friend or family member next time something unexpected comes up. Okay. And my last just kind of thought on why you keep draining your savings (laughs) to make sure when we talked earlier about that amount that you picked as your goal, make sure that your heart is in it. Like make sure that that number is like, oh man, that would feel amazing if I had that amount. I would feel really safe with that amount. I would feel really accomplished with that amount just sitting in my bank account. Make sure that you kind of have that that little bit of like, ugh, yeah, that feeling <laughs> when you pick this number because the more we have an intrinsic motivation, the better with money because we know that it's more about mindset than than anything else. It's more about how it makes us feel than like the actual number itself, okay? So sometimes like maybe we just need a little more motivation behind that number. All right, so let's talk about the guilt and the shame. I know that's what you've been waiting for. Let's dig into the deeper issue. Why you feel shame or guilt around spending your emergency fund money, even if it actually is an emergency. Okay, it goes even farther than just an emergency. A lot of times I've seen this in my personal life and with my clients. Even sometimes when we save up intentionally to cash flow something like a vacation or a vehicle, um, I've seen clients like bust their butts to save up to cash flow a vehicle. And then it comes time to do it, to rip the bandaid off, like cash flow that first vehicle and they can't do it. They're just like, uh, I just, I don't know if I want to spend the money. I just want to leave it in there. They just want to look at it. Okay. Again, not making light of anyone's past, anyone's trauma, but you guys, this is real financial trauma. Okay. If you haven't listened to the previous episode about financial trauma, please go and listen to it after this one. Financial trauma is no joke. Like this is a real thing, okay? 
And so if you're feeling that way, this is like, all right, we got to dig deeper. Like we got to get into like some budget coaching. We need to talk about this in therapy. We need to talk about this with our friend, our partner. Like we, we got to talk about this because there's a lot going on underneath the surface of why you're feeling that way. So it could be a lot of different financial trauma. Again, listen to that episode. It could be about maybe growing up without a safe, secure home or without the safety that money brings, right? Maybe you did without a lot or maybe you remember like bill collectors calling or getting evicted or getting your house foreclosed or getting a vehicle repossessed or your parents filing bankruptcy or any of these scary things, or maybe even some of this happened to you personally in your younger adult years. That's terrifying. It is really hard to come back from that. Okay. But I think first of all is acknowledging, okay, this is what's happening. This is why I feel this way. And then taking the necessary steps. Okay. How do I grow that muscle? Like, is this something I work through in therapy? Um, Is this something I just need to be really diligent about? and work through like what is it what's happening but i i think acknowledging that this is real that this is financial trauma that that's what's happening <laughs> there is um some kind of scarcity going on and we need to dig deeper than that um i also think about that feeling of i worked really hard to build this emergency fund and I don't want to let it go. Or I worked really hard to save up the money to buy this vehicle. And what happens once I spend it? What if I'll never get it back? And again, that is a very real feeling. That's very valid if you feel like that. And I think it kind of goes to, for one, I think acknowledging again that that is a lack mentality. Okay, and there's that whole abundance versus lack. And it's easy to say, oh, that's that's just a lack mindset, like adjust your mindset. Obviously, it's not that easy, especially if you've been through real financial trauma. But there is, I think, something to say about building that muscle and realizing what's happening and also starting to shift into, okay, I can I can make more money. I can always make more money. It might be hard. It probably will be hard, but I can make more money. Okay, I can replace it. And that's what money's for. That's what that savings was there for. That's why I did this. That emergency fund was for an emergency. Are we having an emergency right now? Can this wait? Can I do this later? Can I do this cheaper? Nope, it's a real emergency. Okay, well, that's what it was there for. That's what it was there for. It was there to be my safety net. It was there to bail me out. It just did its job. Great. I can always rebuild it. Okay. And I think, (laughs) oh man, the next one would be money doesn't buy happiness. Okay, we love to like debate this this saying, right? But it does buy you options and it does buy you safety and it does buy you peace. 
And anyone who says otherwise has obviously never been without money to know the opposite, right? And I would argue that money does buy happiness because, you know, anyone (laughs) with prescription antidepressant medicine (laughs) will vouch that maybe money does buy happiness, but that's neither here nor there. Money does buy you options. It does buy you safety. It does buy you peace. It does buy you a way out of a bad situation. That's real. And having an emergency fund can sometimes be your ticket out of something bad. And that could be, you know, the scale of what that could be is varying. From like needing to move states for safety to like you have a flat tire and everything in between. So that's real. And that's why we need to build this emergency fund. That's why we need to build that muscle of asking ourselves, do I really need to spend this? Can I, can it wait? You know, how long is it going to take me to replace it? Because this is important. And sometimes that is, for lack of a better word, a life or death situation of needing that money. Because you could be really getting yourself out of a really big bind. And at the end of the day, it's your money. It's your emergency fund. That's what it's there for. Okay. You will build it back up. You can always make more money. Don't think of it as a setback. Think of it as you had your own back. You bailed yourself out. Look at you. You didn't have to borrow money from a family member. You didn't have to put it on a credit card. You didn't have to pay the credit card company's interest. Who is trying to make Capital One richer? Not me. You didn't have to get a personal loan. You didn't have to refinance something. You didn't have to take the equity out of your house to bail yourself out this time. You don't have to go and pawn something or get a payday loan. You guys, we've all been there. That's a win. You actually had the money to fix this yourself. That's a huge win. And I promise you it won't be the last win. The first time you get to bail yourself out of something, you're going to feel like, oh my God, now I have to build my emergency fund back up. A couple of times into doing it, okay, my husband and I have been doing this for nine years now. Now, we're like, literally, it's always a vehicle thing with us. (laughs) But the last, I think, surprise really for me was I went to get um, what I thought was a slow leak patch in one of my tires and ended up leaving there with all four new tires. Uh, That wasn't really in the budget. (laughs) But the guy was like, I mean, you can patch it, but you're probably going to be back here in a couple weeks. And I was like, no, I'm not because I'm doing it right now. (laughs) Um, And I did it. And we pulled money out of savings and it happened. And it ended up being like, oh, man. And that was it. And guess what? We made more money. We filled it back up. And at the end of the day, I was like, Eh, that kind of sucked. That was it. After years and years and years of doing this, 
I actually got myself out of a mess. I cash flowed through tires. What? Like, I, I grew up in a world where that didn't happen, for one. Sometimes I, I remember people financing tires, opening up a credit card with a tire shop to get new tires, or your new tires were actually used tires that someone else had got taken off of their car. Raise your hand if you've been there. Um, yeah. So you get to bail yourself out of a mess. That's a win. Life is going to happen. Life happens. Emergencies happen. Inconveniences happen. You are not immune. I'm not immune. This is why we work so hard. And this is part of the financial independence journey. This is part of it. Bail yourself out. Build it back up. Bail yourself out. Build it back up. It will continue to happen. It will continue to happen even nine years in. You'll just get more used to it. And that muscle has grown and it's just not as big of a deal. Life is not picking on you. Life is just life. It's hard sometimes. It sucks sometimes. It's expensive sometimes. (laughs) Emergencies will happen. Life will happen. That's what money's there for. It's there to make your life easier, to make you safer, to, albeit even bring you happiness, buy you things that make you happy. That's what it's there for. That's the ultimate goal. Okay? So on that note, I hope that this episode was helpful. I hope that it answered all of your questions about emergency funds, savings, how much, how little, where do we keep that money? What is an emergency? What isn't an emergency and everything in between. If you have any follow-up questions, don't hesitate to hit me up on Instagram and ask them. I would love to help you out no matter where you are on your journey. And that is all for me. Thanks for hanging out for another episode of a Sunny Side Up Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and leave a review. Five-star reviews are what help the podcast grow. Don't forget to check out the episode show notes for links to everything that we talked about in today's episode. And if you want access to all of my free resources or you want to learn how to work one-on-one with me, head over to asunnysideuplife.com to get started. And if you want to keep up with me in the day-to-day, don't forget to follow me on social media at Life. Well, that's all for me this week. Bye, guys.